BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hi, guys. It's Jordan from the Balanced Blonde Soul on Fire podcast. On my show, we go deep on all things astrology, awakening, motherhood, channeling, healing, and so much more. A few years ago, I was diagnosed with chronic Lyme disease, and the healing journey I embarked on at that time set me on the path to radical awakening. Let's just say I had no choice but to change my energy, and that opened me up to the most beautiful healing of my life. On my show, you can expect to feel like you're sitting in my living room chatting with old friends. Tune in every Wednesday to connect and hang on the Balance Bond Soul on Fire. All right, guys, we're back for part two, labor and delivery. I had planned a few episodes to like go live during maternity leave that would be recorded like real time for when I had 30-ish minutes to just sit here and talk. And today is that day. We had overnight help last night. So I only woke up once, which is a fucking blessing. And I really hope you cannot hear baby October this entire time, like his breathing in this thing. But I'm hoping you can't. And if you can, then it's maternity leave and you're just, thank you for bearing with me. I'm wearing him right now because as I record this, and this will be more about like, discussed in the postpartum maternity leave recap episode, but I have just been really leaning into the like not working and signing off of things and just allowing my team to navigate and be amazing and do the processes that we had put in motion. And with the exception of wanting to do like two to three episodes during maternity leave, that would be more real time. I just know myself. If I had him sleeping downstairs, I'd be wishing he was on me. So this is just how we're navigating this. Also, I realized that my brain is absolutely not fully functioning. Like, yes, last night I slept, but this past weekend, Joe and Squash were sick. So I was on full October duty alone and I just, and I'm postpartum. So like my brain is not functioning. So just bear with me as we navigate this episode. But I kind of left off on a cliffhanger last labor and delivery part one episode, and we have a lot to fucking unpack. So here we go. So the last episode, I was like, guys, I'm getting induced tonight. I'm so excited. It's the light at the end of the tunnel for me. We've made it. And how quickly that was taken. So that night, the plan was, and obviously I would listen to that first episode before this one, but just for context, I have been in, I had been in like prodromal labor for like two weeks and that every night was like going through contractions, thinking I was in labor. I had gone to the hospital now twice to be sent home, et cetera. So we had the induction scheduled for Thursday night. And that was like the light at the end of the tunnel after being sent home from the hospital the second time and just being so emotional and upset and really confused by my body and frustrated and all of the different things. So the plan is they induce you at 9 p.m., which I was already kind of like, I don't think this makes sense given that I've been in prodromal labor for so long. I feel personally, once I get the Pitocin, it's going to just like fucking speed along. And I know that they do that at night so that A, I think 
like honestly, they charge you an extra night for insurance in the hospital. But B, I think the main reason is you get the Pitocin and then you kind of sleep through the night so that when you wake up, you're then really in labor and you're delivering at a regular hour of the day, not like in the middle of the night. But I kind of felt the Pitocin is going to kickstart. I just feel like this is going to go fast. So I'm going to be delivering in the middle of the night. That's not really ideal, but whatever. I had no control over the time. That was the only thing that they said, like 9 p.m. is the only time you can schedule an induction for. And I was like, okay, fine. So they tell me leading up to all this, call at 7 p.m. just to confirm that we're ready to go. And then you drive in. So we are like, my parents come again. I just feel like I'm putting, I just feel like I was asking so many people to do so many things for me that that was hard, but whatever. My parents come, we have this great night, just me, Joe and squash, the three of us, we put him down. And as soon as he goes down, I call and I'm like, hi, I'm just calling to confirm my induction for 9 PM. And they were like, oh, sorry, our beds are full. And It was almost this feeling of like, I knew this was going to happen. Like, I just knew it. I knew when I made that call, like, they're still going to be full. I'm not going to get in. And I want to be very clear. I'm not mad at any, I'm not mad at any of the like labor and delivery nurses, the people who work at the hospital, any of this, like it's a system. The system sucks, but it's not any individual. I'll get into a frustration with a specific individual in a second, but I'm more just frustrated that like, this is the system that we have in place for pregnancy and delivery and like, whatever. So I'm like, okay, what's the next step? And this is another frustration is there's just no real direction. And it's what I'm told is eat something yummy, you know, have a good meal and get some rest and we'll call you when a bed opens. I'm like, well, what do you mean? Call me when a bed opens. Like, should I go to sleep? Are you going to call me in the middle of the night? Like, when is a bed going to open realistically? And they're like, well, we don't know. And I'm like, so is there a chance that you would call me overnight? And they're like, yeah, yes, but go to bed, get some rest. And I'm like, well, how the fuck am I supposed to sleep? And then in my head, I'm like, well, can I take Unisom? Because I don't want to be taking Unisom and then get called in the middle of the night to go into delivery. But I can't sleep if I don't have Unisom. Like stupid shit like that. But Truly, at this point, everything was anxiety-inducing for me. So that was a mental... It was just the icing on the cake. So I just kind of hang out with my parents and Joe. We watch a show. And then I think at 9 p.m., I feel, okay, I'll call back and just see if there's an update. Because if there's no real update, then yeah, I guess I'm going to go to bed. But if they think I'm going to be able to come at like 11, then I'm just going to stay up. So I call again and they were like, the beds are still full. There's no update and just go to sleep. We'll call you if a bed opens. And then I said, well, can I schedule an induction for tomorrow? And this is where it all gets kind of confusing as a patient because they're like, well, no, you have an induction scheduled. And I'm like, well, if I have an induction scheduled, then why is no one telling me when it is? And they tell me basically it's like rolling admissions. If a bed opens up, they'll call. And so I texted a lot of my friends and asked their opinion. And it appears that everyone would have done the same thing, which made me feel more confident because I felt very frustrated by what happened next. I then call my OBGYN's office because at this point, you're just calling like the front desk almost. I forget what they're called at the hospital, like in the labor and delivery area. And so I call my doctor's office. Of course, it's 9 p.m., so it's closed. So I get on the line. I just leave a message. I said, hey, I would like to speak to the on-call doctor. I'm just trying to figure out what I'm supposed to be doing because I wasn't getting any direction. Again, I'm not the patient of the person I'm speaking to. They're like the scheduler at the hospital. So I just want to get some guidance on what I'm supposed to be doing. Should I be trying to schedule something for tomorrow? Should I be coming in to see the doctor tomorrow, et cetera? And I get a call from the on-call doctor and the group I had been in is like six rotating doctors. And this was one that I had not met yet. And he calls me back and I have never had a conversation like this with a doctor before where I just felt, I mean, I, I didn't feel I was incredibly gaslit and spoken down to. And he's like, well, I know you've been calling. I've heard you've spoken to the front desk a few times. I was like, okay, yeah, twice. I called when I was supposed to call. And then I called again at nine. And he's just, look, he's pissed. I'm sure it's something else. He starts talking about how he didn't know this is how it was going to be. 
if he, when he became an OB and if he had known, I'm like, well, I'm not here to talk about your life choices 20 plus years ago, dude. I just want to know what the hell I'm supposed to be doing. So I was really off put by this doctor and frustrated by the conversation. And I straight up said to him, what time are you on call until? Because I did not want to deliver with this man after the conversation I had with him. I just didn't want to go in there with these bad um, like vibes and emotions and have him be the one that was playing such an integral role in such a huge life moment for me. And he said he was on call, which I'm sure he knew why I was asking. He was on call through the night until the next morning. And I was like, all right, thank you so much. Have a good night. So now at this point, I'm like, I don't want to get a call because I don't want, these vibes are not it for me. And with my first delivery, I say this all the time, like the birthing person sets the tone for the room. I wanted it to be a party. Like I wanted to have fun. And that's what we did with squash. And that's what I wanted for this one. And I just knew that this man and I did not mesh. So I end up going to bed and I don't get a call. So the next morning I am texting with a girlfriend who I happened to run into when I got sent home two days prior, whatever day it was. She had a scheduled C-section and she's texting me being like, it's literally so packed here that they were putting two families in one postpartum room, which I know happens in New York, but is not standard for this hospital. And there's not, it's not like equipped for that. There's like one cot for the partner and they're like rolling in beds. She's like, it's fucking insane here. So now I'm like, okay, I'm kind of happy that I didn't go in last night. I call at eight. I'm like, hi, I was supposed to have induction last night. I was just calling to see if there's any type of update or just really what am I supposed to be doing? Because again, I'm trying to plan around my toddler also. And the woman on the phone was so sweet. And she said, we will be able to see you at 1130. And I'm like, it's fucking happening. So we have this wonderful moment with squash, Joe and I on our front porch. We're just hanging out, the three of us. It's raining. We're playing in the rain. And it's interesting because going into my delivery, I was so stressed about having this like goodbye moment with him. And I've talked about it on here. I think I talked about it a lot in therapy. Like, will I have the moment where I get to say like, goodbye as a family of three before I come home. And little did I know that I would have 10 of these said goodbyes and that would not be the stress. The stress would be when is this baby actually coming out and when am I going to get a bed in this hospital? But it was interesting that I then got this moment that I had been so fearful of not having. And it was amazing. Of course, then when it was actually time to like exit and get leave the house, he could have cared less because my dad was there. My dad is priority always if he's around because the pock obsession is real. So Joe and I get in the car, we go to the hospital. And at this point, I'm like, okay, it's happening. We are ready to go. I talk a lot about division of labor, both in this show and across my social platforms. And one of the tasks that I personally own for our family is scheduling and staying on top of the children's different medical appointments. And let me tell you, that task is a lot of work. I know it may sound simple, but the constant need to find doctors, schedule appointments, and go to set appointments actually takes up a ton of time. Thankfully, I have ZocDoc to help assist me with this and make all of it that much easier. ZocDoc is your go-to place to find and book amazing doctors who are not only top-rated, but also accept your insurance. ZocDoc is the only free app that lets you find and book doctors who are patient-reviewed, take your insurance, are available when you need them, and treat almost every condition under the sun. We are talking about appointments with thousands of top-rated patient-reviewed doctors and specialists. You can filter specifically for ones who take your insurance, are located near you, and treat almost any condition you're searching for. Say goodbye to long waiting times and the uncertainty of whether a doctor is any good. ZocDoc puts the power back in your hands. So if you're in the search for a doctor to help with whatever health struggle you are facing, it is time to head over to ZocDoc. No more waiting, on hold, or struggling to find a doctor who fits your needs. ZocDoc lets you filter specifically for doctors who accept your insurance and treat the condition you're searching for. Go to ZocDoc.com Cameron and download the ZocDoc app for free, then find and book a top-rated doctor today. That's Z-O-C-D-O-C.com slash Cameron, ZocDoc.com slash Cameron. You all know how important my morning routine is to me and what a vital role my glass of AG1 plays in that. 
If you're a longtime listener, you know that I've been drinking AG1 for over five years now. When I started drinking AG1 daily, I noticed I had increased energy first thing in the morning and that it helped with my digestion throughout the day. AG1 is a science-driven formulation of ingredients that includes adaptogens to help balance my body's stress response and elevate my baseline health. As a creature of habit, it is my absolute preferred method to start my day. That's because AG1 is a foundational nutrition supplement that supports your body's universal needs like gut optimization, stress management, and immune support. Since 2010, AG1 has led the future of foundational nutrition, continuously refining their formula to create a smarter, better way to elevate your baseline health. Not only am I constantly recommending AG1 to the FF fam and my podcast listeners, but also everyone in my life. If you've spent a night with me somewhere, whether it be a bachelorette party, a beach weekend, or a friend's vacation, you know that I travel with my AG1 packs and that I've packed extras for you to try. I am all about sharing the love of AG1 and getting people hooked like me. I recommend it to my family and friends because I've seen what a difference it has made in my overall health, and I want my loved ones to reap the benefits as well. AG1 is a supplement I trust to provide the support my body needs daily, and that's why they've been a partner for so long. If you want to take ownership of your health, it starts with AG1. Try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D3K2 and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase. Go to drinkag com slash FFF. That's drinkag1.com slash FFF to check it out. So we get to the hospital and we are sitting in the waiting room like that, you know, you check in and then you have to wait to be called. And we end up waiting for like two hours because again, the hospital is very busy. And like, I understand that. I just, I literally just wanted to put my butt in a hospital bed to be like, it's fucking happening. This is the moment where we see a commercial for fucking Disney on ice on the TV. And because we are so stressed about Squash feeling left out and we want him to know that he's so loved. And because he is Disney obsessed, we decide it's going to be a good idea to buy tickets for two weeks postpartum, which it was so much fun. And he had the time of his life. And I'm so happy we did it, but we're fucking cuckoo banana pants. Anyway, that was when we bought the tickets. So they call me back and I have notes on my phone because I take meticulous notes of all of this. Basically, we get called back and it's like 1.30, we get brought to L&D labor and delivery. And they're like, okay, you're still four centimeters dilated and like 70% effaced. Your water has not broken yet, which I knew. So they were like, let's break your water. Then we'll get the Pitocin and then you can get the epidural. And I just want to note for me, the epidural was the biggest thing I was like, I need. Okay. And look to anyone who gives birth with that an epidural, great. I'm so happy for you that you got to do what you wanted to do. I desperately wanted that epidural. I just, yeah, no, thank you. So my stress was like, because everyone is so busy at this hospital, like seriously, I don't want to get things going and then miss my opportunity to get the epidural. So there was a lot of discussion of the order of things, but I felt confident that this was going to happen. So they break my water, which basically is like you're doing The first time they broke my water with squash, I had already had the epidural, so I didn't feel anything. This time I didn't. And basically what it is, is you're lying on your back, like you're in a position for an exam to see, you know, how dilated in the face you are. And it looks like a literal like knitting needle, quite honestly. And they just put it in there and they pop something. And it was just a rush of like warm fluid that escapes from your hoo-ha. And it happened in one big gush. And then like it continued to happen in a few gushes like afterwards. But basically the water is now broken. So they then are like, okay, let's do your Pitocin. So sorry, they broke my water at 2.45. And at 3 p.m. they put in my IV for Pitocin. And for anyone who has not gone through an induction, there are different ways to induce labor. If you're not dilated yet, they would probably have put in a balloon, but because I was dilated, I didn't need that balloon. And I honestly, I, I didn't really want, well, whatever. It wasn't even on the cards because I was dilated. Pitocin is put in an IV and it speeds up the labor process. I couldn't tell you more about it, but that's what it is. So then they put in the IV and I, I'm going to note this only because it comes back. I remember with squash the first time they put the IV in my wrist, which I think is like the common spot, the top of my wrist. And truly that was the most annoying part of my hospital stay because they have to keep the actual like thing in. You're not hooked up to anything, but the needle. 
in your body the entire stay in postpartum. And then when you're discharged, you get taken out. And I just remember not being able to like move my hand fully. And every time I moved my wrist, it would hurt. And you're breastfeeding, you're changing diapers, you're doing all this stuff. And you're using your hands a fuckload trying to hold this baby. And I just remember being so annoyed that the IV was there. So I asked my L&D nurse, who I loved, I was like, can I not get it in my wrist? And she's like, yeah, yeah, I can do it on the inside of your arm. I don't know what the fuck happened when we put it on the inside of my arm, but it did not go incorrectly. So pretty instantaneously, it hurt. And then throughout this entire process of delivery, it's like starting to bruise a little and swell. And I'm like, this does not feel good. So skipping forward, after October is born, I'm like, look at my arm. And it was blue. So they take it out. They put the IV in my other arm. And the bruise that I got from this IV is truly the gnarliest thing I've ever had bruise-wise on my body. It was insane. Everyone that came over within the like next week and a half was like, what the fuck has happened to you? Like, what is that? Like screamed when my arm moved and they saw it. So that was crazy, but whatever, it was fine. So I get the Pitocin at three and I'm like, all right, let's order this epidural now just to give us time. And this is one thing that I feel there's so much that needs to be discussed about like the advocacy and speaking up and all of that when it comes to labor and delivery. And as a white woman, I have to acknowledge that like I have such privilege in hospitals that black women do not have in these birthing scenarios. And there's plenty of research and data and statistics on that. And, you know, we know that the mortality rate for black women is I think three plus times higher than for white women. And that's deeply correlated to this. But there is this really hard feeling of like trying to speak up for yourself, but also being like, well, I don't necessarily know all the right terms or words and they're doctors and they know what they're doing and just a lot of that. And I felt that a lot through this process leading up to the delivery, like within the past two weeks of prodromal labor. But then even in this moment, I was like, hey, just by the way, I really want the anesthesiologist who gives me the epidural to not be a resident. I want it to be a doctor or I don't, I think residents are doctors, but again, I don't know the exact terminology, but I said, I don't want it to be a resident. And the reason I felt that way is because I'm very afraid of the epidural as much as I want it. That's like the thing I get most nervous about getting because it's like in your spine and it's a fucking huge needle, et cetera. And the masseuse I see out here is a doula. And she said, like, just so you know, the hospital you're delivering at does have a lot of residents and it's like training season. So I would specifically say you don't want a resident for your epidural. And I was like, great. Thank you so much for telling me that. So I say that to my nurse. And that was like the one thing I really said when I went over my birth plan, all the other stuff was pretty standard. The only other thing I said about my birth plan that was not standard is in this hospital, they take the baby to the nursery once they're born after the like, quote unquote, golden hour of skin to skin. And they do all the tests and stuff in the nursery. Like they weigh them, they do all of that. And I did not want him to leave my side because I had read on Facebook groups, again, because the hospital was so busy right now that like they were taken to the nursery and then it was like hours before they were brought back. And I just personally would not have been able to deal with that. So that was the only part of my birth plan that was like not quote unquote standard-ish. And when I said that, the nurse was like, yeah, of course. So then the anesthesiologist comes in to give me my epidural and he's like prepping me and doing all this stuff. And from three to four, four is when I got my epidural, the contractions are very intense at this point. I had progressed to like six centimeters Once my water broke, I think my body was like, let's fucking go. And then especially with the Pitocin, but the Pitocin honestly wasn't even that high at this point at all. So I think just because I had been at this four centimeter stall for so long, my body was like, and it's go time, which everyone had told me they thought would happen. And so the contractions are getting very intense. Joe's like trying to record me. And I'm like, because I had said I wanted some cute videos to like show our kids later on. And the videos like me if anything has confirmed that there will be one day I want Botox, it's this video. My face is fully fucking wrinkled and I'm like writhing in pain. I'm like, now is when you want to record like this moment. So the contractions were definitely more intense. So when they're giving me the epidural, I'm starting to get nervous about how often and frequent the contractions are because when you get an epidural, you like cannot move. You have to kind of like hunch over and you're really not supposed to move. And trigger warning, I forget the term, but if you have a phobia of 
throwing up, skip the next like minute or so. My biggest thing other than getting the epidural that I was like anxious about, and this seems so silly because I don't have that phobia, but I threw up a lot with squash during the transition of labor. And it's a common symptom. It's your hormones, et cetera. But I was just like, I don't want to do that again. That fucking sucked. And they're literally like putting the epidural in me. Oh, so the anesthesiologist is there. And then all of a sudden this young girl comes in who's a resident and starts putting it in. And he's like walking her through it. And this is what I mean where I should have, I know I should have just been like, hey, excuse me. I said I didn't want a resident, but I'm like, what? I'm just gonna tell this person, like this woman who's here, who's like my age doing this, being like, "Eh, excuse me, no, I don't want you doing that. Which yeah, I could have. But I don't know. I just didn't feel comfortable sticking up for myself. That's a whole different conversation. But that's what I mean, where it's just this confusing blurred line and like having an advocate is so important. And my doula wasn't there yet. She wouldn't have been allowed to be in the room anyway for my epidural. And they kick your partner out. So Joe's not in there either. So then it's just me and these two people. And I was like, oh, fuck. And mentally, I'm also dealing with these contractions. So I don't end up saying anything. Luckily, everything's fine. But that was one kind of frustration when I walked away. Hey, buddy. But they're putting in the epidural and I'm now progressing to like this final stage of labor. And I feel like I'm about to throw up. My entire body gets hot. I'm sweating. And I have to be like, you guys have to stop because I'm about to violently barf. And my biggest fear is that I'm going to fuck up by moving while this needle's in my back. So they take out the epidural and I get a bag and like, I feel like I'm about to, but then I just dry heave a few times and I don't actually do anything. So I'm like, okay, quick, get it back in. Because now I'm stressed that this baby's coming out like right now. So they get the epidural in and we're Gucci, we're good to go. In my past life, I used to schedule my entire routine around a workout class or someone else's schedule. I was constantly searching every single booking app to see what available slots my preferred teachers were offering and just trying to fit in travel time to and from the studio, all of it. It is honestly so wild to think back on, but there were times where one workout class was turning into a legitimate two-hour excursion, something that I just simply do not have time for anymore. That is why I love Moves so much. Alamoves is a streaming on-demand wellness platform that features yoga practices, fitness routines, meditation sessions, and so much more from one of my favorite brands, Allo Yoga. They truly have something for everyone, from beginner to advanced, yoga to bar, Pilates, cardio, and HIIT classes. They even have relaxing guided meditations and breath work. The best part is you need little to no equipment. Whether you are more of an entry-level beginner or advanced, they have over 3,000 classes to choose from with over 100 new classes added every month. With constantly new offerings and on-demand options, I get so much flexibility and variety, which is imperative for me to incorporate movement into my day. For me personally, the flexibility is everything. Sometimes I'm working out first thing in the morning and other times I'm just trying to squeeze in like a 15 minute session in the kitchen while my toddler eats his breakfast. It completely depends on the day and the flexibility of Moves allows me to stay consistent. Find the health and wellness routine that works for you with Moves. Go to allamoves.com and use code FRECKLE20 in all caps for 30 days free plus 20% off an annual membership. That's allamoves.com in all caps, code FRECKLE20 to get a free 30-day trial plus 20% off an annual membership. With the holidays quickly approaching, there is a chance you are about to have an incredibly more packed social schedule than you are used to. And if you were like me a few years ago, potentially one too many glasses of wine. Even if you're not drinking the late nights and the loads of restaurant meals and all that comes with the holiday socialization will have you feeling a little off kilter. Something I am always reaching for during this season is Element to help replenish my electrolytes. Element is a tasty electrolyte drink mix with everything you need and nothing you don't, which means a lot of salt with no sugar. This product contains a science-backed electrolyte ratio with none of the junk like coloring, artificial ingredients, and other BS additives. Whether you overdid it this past weekend, you're just simply attending too many holiday parties, you're working out a ton, or you're just trying to keep an active lifestyle, replenishing electrolytes is super important. I have been loving my two favorite flavors, citrus salt and watermelon salt, over ice in my water bottle to keep me hydrated and going. Right now, Element is offering my listeners a free sample pack with any purchase. 
That's eight single serving packets free with any element order. This is a great way to try all eight flavors or share element with a salty friend. Get yours at drinkelement.com slash Cameron. This deal is only available through my link. You must go to D-R-I-N-K-L-M-N-T dot com slash Cameron. Plus, Element offers no questions asked refunds, so you can try it totally risk-free. There is truly nothing to lose. So I lay down, and at this point, Joe comes back in, our doula Ebony arrives, and at 5 p.m., I'm like 90% effaced and I think around still like six, seven centimeters. So we are just chilling. The three of us, I'm in fucking epidural bliss. I've got the chatters a little bit, which is like, again, something that happens during your progression of labor. I had it really badly with squash. I didn't have it as badly with October, but like my teeth are chattering. Joe is like fucking walking back and forth, pacing the room, like giving himself pep talks. I didn't ask him in the moment, but I asked him later, like, what are you saying to yourself? Like, what are you pepping yourself up for? And it's interesting. I did not expect him to say this. He's like, I was just so anxious leaning into it of your health, which I get you're so out of control as the partner. Like you literally have no control of the situation. And he said to me, you know, obviously there are very scary outcomes or very scary things that could happen. But even just the small things of like you tearing, I know what that recovery would be. And I know how hard that would be for you. And I just felt so out of control. So he's pacing back and forth, giving himself some verbal pet talks. And I'm just vibing on an epidural bliss. So I'm laying in the bed. I'm on my side. We've got like the peanut ball between my legs to just like help progress the dilation. And we're watching the morning show, which let me tell you, this season is so fucking good. And we're just sitting there watching it. Like I'm laying down, Joe and Ebony are chilling. And our nurse, L&D nurse keeps coming in and you have basically two monitors on you during this stage where one's monitoring your contractions and one is monitoring the baby's heartbeat. And she's like continuously coming in every 10 minutes because she's like, I have to move the baby one. Like I keep losing the heartbeat. I think the baby's moving like pretty low. And it should be said that they don't want to check you often after your water's broke for fear of infection. So they don't want to like go in there and see how dilated you are. But they say, you know, you're going to feel a lot of pressure like on your butt, like you have to poop. And I said to them, okay, I just want to give you a heads up. I was told that the first time I never felt the pressure. So like, I don't know why my body doesn't feel that pressure, but who knows? So the nurse is like continuously coming in every 10 minutes to move this thing like lower and lower to monitor the baby's heart rate. And she's like, this baby is really low based on where I need to put this thing for the heart rate. And you're contracting every like minute based on the tracker that I'm watching outside. I'm convinced it's time for you to push. Do you feel pressure? And I was like, no. She's like, okay, well, you need to lie and say you feel pressure because I'm convinced it's go time. I was like, all right, fine, fine by me. So she calls the like resident doctor. The resident comes in and she's like, hi, I hear you're feeling pressure. I'm like, yep, feeling pressure. And she's like, all right, let's check. Takes out the peanut ball. And she's like, okay, that is the head. Close your legs. Stop the Pitocin because this baby's about to come out. And this is now, let me see. This is at 630. So I had gotten the Pitocin at three and this is now 630. And I could have pushed, I think, the baby out like right then. But the OB who's on call in my group was pulled into an emergency C-section. Oh my God, I'm sorry. I forgot to say two things that are very important. Okay, one, the OB on call in my group, I had not met before this and I fucking loved her. She came in to meet me when I was like hooked up and got the Pitocin, I think. And immediately she was like, I'm so sorry for what you've been through. Like, I'm so happy that it's finally happening. Here we go. Like, this is gonna be a great day. I loved her loved her. And this is where I'm like, I don't believe everything happens for a reason, but it all makes sense at some point because me and that man who was working the overnight shift were not a fucking vibe. And I am so glad that she was the one who delivered October. So like there was this kind of moment afterwards where I was like, it all makes sense. The other thing is during my like chill time where we were watching the show, there was a woman on our floor who was giving birth. And I don't say this to scare anyone whatsoever. She was giving birth, but she didn't have an epidural because she got to the hospital too late. 
I don't know based on what I heard from my nurses, but I've never in my life heard someone scream like this ever. The screams were like nothing I've ever heard before. And I kept saying to Joe, thank God I've gone through this before because if this, and what are you doing singing? I was like, if I had not given birth before this and that was what I heard as I'm like going into this huge moment, I would have been fucking terrified. Truly, it was like nothing I've ever heard before. Joe was also traumatized. It was wild. So I don't know why I felt like sharing that, but it was a big part of our experience because it was like nothing I've ever heard. Basically, my OB gets called into an emergency C-section. So they're like, close your legs, take out the peanut ball, try to sit up as upright, like, or lay down, sorry, not sit up, try to lay down and cut the Pitocin. So basically then my OB comes in and she's like, all right, it's now like seven. She comes in and she's like, okay, so sorry. I called into a C-section, but I hear it's ready to go. Like, let's have some fun. At this point, my music is playing. She is vibing with us. I'm playing the same playlist we played with squash, which is like old school, like 90s, early 2000s, like hip hop, rap, R&B. It's a mix of fucking things. But then there's like a WAP thrown in there. It's a goddamn party. And she's like, I love it here. I don't want to leave this room. This is so fun. And I'm like, great, let's have a baby. The holidays are right around the corner. And if you're like me, you are already starting your shopping. I'm someone that loves to get as much of the buying done as soon and as early as possible so that there's not a last minute scramble to get everything delivered and wrapped and ready to gift. Luckily for us, Osea is here to help take the guesswork out of gift giving with their Super Glow Body Set. This limited edition box features three of Osea's best-selling body care products, a full-size Andaria Algae Body Oil, Andaria Cleansing Body Polish, and a travel-size Andaria Algae Body Butter. I've been a fan of Osea's for a long time now and absolutely love all of their products, but especially those for the body. Everything they make is clean, vegan, cruelty-free, and climate-neutral certified, so you never have to choose between your values and your best skin. Their Undaria Cleansing Body Polish is an innovative gel to milk refining body polish that combines dual-action physical and AHA exfoliation to promote cell turnover for healthy-looking skin. Talk about super smooth skin for the winter. This super glow body set is the perfect way to try three of Osea's best-selling products at an incredible value. Also, one of the biggest added bonuses, which is huge for someone like me still in postpartum and trying to navigate the 10,000 things that need to get done, the box set is so beautifully packaged that you can skip to the gift wrapping. It is truly the perfect gift for anyone on your list, heck, including yourself. Give the gift of glow this holiday season with clean vegan skincare from Osea. And right now we have a special discount for our listeners. Get 10% off your first order site-wide with code Cameron at OseaMalibu.com. Head to OseaMalibu.com and use code Cameron for 10% off. I say all of this with the understanding that this is not a typical delivery experience for many. However, I think that there is a lot of fear around delivering a baby, which obviously I understand just scientifically the fact that a child fits out of our vagina is terrifying. But I share this because I had such an incredible delivery experience with both, but especially this time. And if I can give anyone a glimmer of potential, just like, oh, it can be fun or it can go quickly or it can go easily, then I'm gonna share it. But I'm also gonna acknowledge that this was not normal. And my vagina is very grateful for the situation. And I feel very blessed. I basically am sitting there. I put my legs in the stirrups. I'm holding Joe's hand. We're talking to each other. And she's like, all right, let's try pushing. And I'm like, okay, let's go. And I do a push. And she's like, and the baby is basically out. Okay, hold on. And I'm like laughing. It was just fun. Like we just were having fun. Again, I've got an epidural, so I'm not feeling anything. The baby is small, so that makes it easier. I also think, like, I'm not going to discredit my sister's boyfriend. was like, you discredit all the work you've done. Like, yes, I was in pelvic floor PT. Yes, I was doing specific exercises. Yes, I was doing all of these things, staying active, et cetera, to hopefully have a good delivery experience. So I do think that that plays a role, but I'm not going to say, like, because I did this, I had an easy delivery. There's so many factors that you can't control. But basically... In three pushes, October is born. And Joe screams, it's a boy, like as soon as he flies out, which I really thought that I was pregnant with a girl. 
And I told all of my close friends, I don't know if I ever really said it on my platforms, but like I just felt like it was a girl. And every time I would envision the delivery or postpartum, it was me and a girl. And I remember having a conversation with my therapist being like, I want to be surprised. And she said, as long as you do not care, be surprised. But if you care and you really want one or the other, you need to find out so that you can give yourself that time to like come to terms with what you're having. And I said, I don't, I really don't. So that was why we went with the surprise. And while I didn't care, I did think I was pregnant with a girl. And I had kind of like convinced myself of that. And I kept saying, I need to stop convincing myself of this because I don't want to be like shocked or confused or whatever. And I had a conversation with my mom two days before where she said, what do you think you're having? And I said, I think I'm having a girl and I'm kind of stressed about it because I always thought I wanted three kids, but ever since having squash, I want just two. And being a female with two sisters, I am so overwhelmed and stressed by the idea of having a girl and not giving her a sister. And I know plenty of people do not have sisters, but it's just something I couldn't stop thinking about. And I kept saying to her, I'm scared that if I have a girl, I'm going to want to go for a third. And I don't, I don't think I want a third kid. And that was the first time that I was like, wait, maybe I want a boy. Even though I felt so indifferent, like I would just be happy with a healthy baby. And so when he was put on my chest and Joe screamed, it's a boy, I was shocked. But this like wave of, not relief, but like, it just felt right. And I just feel so motherfucking in love with him. And the idea that I have these like two boys who I get to raise, who will hopefully be best friends and will be brothers for life. And I just, it just feels very right and complete for me. So I'm very happy. But he yells, boy, I'm like, oh my God. He gets put in my arms. And this is where like, it's just, every situation is so different. Every kid is so different and you can have a plan and then life happens and it doesn't fucking matter. I've been saying since the get-go, I'm going to combo feed because we had such a fucking hard time with feeding with squash in the beginning, especially. And I was like, I'm going to combo feed from day one. You know, I don't want to put that pressure on myself. I don't want to go through all of that. This kid latched within five seconds and was on my boob for an hour feeding. I'm like, what the fuck? It was so wildly different than the first go around that I was utterly shocked. So we're doing skin to skin. He's feeding. Then we were able to do all the tests in the room, which made me very happy because, you know, they weren't guaranteed that they were going to be able to do that. The person who came in was not happy that they had to come do the tests in our room. That's a different story, but whatever. That was what we really wanted. And so they made it work. And then Joe did his skin to skin. And then I keep being like, I am, again, fast forward if you have a phobia of throwing up. I keep being like, I'm so happy I did not barf. Like, oh my God, what a blessing. What a fucking blessing. And before he was born, Joe was like, let me just have a cart of food ready in like, I don't know, DoorDash, Caviar, whatever, one of the apps so that I can quickly, like we can just hit order and that way we'll have dinner because you're probably going to be really hungry. You haven't eaten since like 12, et cetera. So I was so pumped because Springbone, one of my favorite spots in the city, is open in a town near us, but it doesn't, hi, it doesn't deliver to us, but it delivers to the hospital. So I'm like, oh my God, that's what I want. Okay, like, let's get that. So he's like, all right, it's ready to go. So after he's born, I forget if it was like Joe or Ardula, whatever, they hit deliver. And so we get food. Moral of the story is we have food in the room. We're still in the delivery room. And we're waiting to eat until we go up to the postpartum room. And they come in and they're like, okay, they've taken out my epidural now. They need to make sure I can pee. So they're like, let's just try and pee now. They take me to the bathroom. I pee. And I start to feel like kind of lightheaded-ish. And I'm like, I think I'm just fucking starving. So they tell us the postpartum room's not going to be ready for another, I don't know, 15, 20 minutes. I'm like, all right, I'm just going to eat quickly. So Joe gives me my meal. I scarf it down. And then I say, I'll hold October and you can eat now. So I'm sitting on the hospital bed. He hands me October. I have him in one arm and I turn my head and because I think I'm about to burp. And Joe looks at me like, are you good? And I'm like, yeah. And then I turn back and fucking projectile 
all over myself, all over the bed. I'm holding October, who's now, I don't know, two hours old, not even, in my arm off to the side like a football, just fucking blowing my brains out all over this bed. Like Joe comes and grabs a baby. Our doula comes and grabs my hair. It's literally in the bowl of food I just finished as if I had just (laughs) taken it, mixed it up, and poured it right back in. It was so foul. Thankfully, this happened in the delivery room, not like right as we got into our postpartum new room. But it was just it was just comical because I all I kept saying is, I'm so happy I didn't throw up. That was so amazing. And what a great surprise. And there we have it. So then it's time to go up to the postpartum like recovery room. And when we're on our way, they have to put on like the security anklet on the baby. And so they take him into the nursery to do that. And I'm like, that just felt so fast. That delivery felt so quick. Like, how fast was that, do you think? And they were all like, I don't know, maybe like 15 minutes. That was so fast. And so I go to look at my photos because I have all these incredible photos and videos from the delivery, thanks to our doula. And there is a picture at 716 that is me and Joe holding hands and him being like, are you ready to do this? And I'm like, I'm freaking ready. And I'm in the stirrups, but the doctor's not down there yet. And the photo at 7.18, two minutes later, is the baby on my chest. And that's where I'm like, I know this is not standard. I'm incredibly grateful. And I feel very blessed for that experience. But it was magical. Like the baby just fucking flew out of there. So if you are struggling with prodromal labor and you're wondering, when the hell this is ever going to end, there is a chance I will never guarantee anything, but maybe the baby is almost ready and will be flying out of your vagine like mine did. So we get to the postpartum room and basically like that's kind of the labor and delivery story. I will say the other big things, which I know I put in like the what the fuck is happening to my body video, the breastfeeding contraction cramps were unlike anything I remember or have experienced. I honestly think they were worse than my actual contractions. And my nurse told me, all of my friends told me after the fact, all of you guys told me that they get worse with every baby, which I was not prepared for. So that was like a very tough just realization because every feed was like this really intense fucking pain up until like day five, I think, because it was happening even when I got home. Body-wise, I had one small stitch in the same spot I had with squash. So like I've honestly healed very well down there. I do feel like I bled more this time around than with the first, but I think that that's just, I don't know, my body is like, there's just more to go. I have no idea. But it was happening also with those breastfeeding contraction cramps. Like every time I would feed and contract, especially in the hospital, I'd feel like a flush or a gush of fluid, which was not enjoyable. But the hospital stay is just, I mean, I fucking hate those hospital beds with a burning passion. I was having Joe sleep in the hospital bed and I was sleeping in the like cot for the partner because it was so much more comfortable. I will say that this time around, I knew to say like, can we try to plan my vitals around his vitals so that there isn't a nurse or doctor coming in like every hour? Because otherwise it does feel like there's always someone coming in and out of the door and you're never able to sleep. And the first time around, I felt like that was the case. So this time I did ask if we could try and time that up and they were so great about it. And so we tried to time my vitals and his vitals with feedings and just like at the same time so that there wasn't a constant revolving door. I will say one funny story. I was sleeping on the cot and Joe was in the hospital bed holding October and I had just fed him and I was going to try and get like two hours of sleep. And the pediatrician on call comes in and I guess she had come in, I don't know, at some point the day before, I have no idea. And Joe was also in the bed with October and I was in the cot sleeping and I'm like half asleep, half awake. And I hear her say to Joe, this is just like so fucking classic. And, and it's not ill-intentioned at all, but like the way that we praise a male partner for simply like being a partner is so wild to me. And it definitely happens more from like the generation above. And I'm not saying like he's an incredible partner. He helps so much. Like he he's a partner. He's a parent. But the appraisal for like doing small things that a mother does and just would never get praised for blows my mind. And I hear her come in and she's like, I just have to say, you get a gold star, dad. 
And I am just like fucking rolling my eyes. I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. And I'm still pretending to be asleep at this point. And he's like, what? Like, oh, what do you mean? And she's like, in my 20 years of doing this, I've never seen a dad up with the baby at this hour. And so I forget the words she used, but like both times I've been in here letting the mom rest and taking care of the baby. And I'm like, oh my fucking God. And thank God I hear Joe go, well, I'm just a dad. And that's so sad that this is the first time you've seen that. And I'm like, okay, good job. Now you get it. Good job. I will give you a gold star for that reaction. But like, what the fuck? Gold star. He's literally holding the baby and I'm sleeping. It, It was just so classic. I definitely had a lot of emotions in the hospital postpartum room about like, oh my God, I have another baby. How am I going to do this? Feeling very protective and almost like defensive over squash around certain things. I think that's a conversation for the next episode, but that is the labor and delivery. And all in all, I just want to thank this little munchkin. Awful, awful two and a half weeks of labor. Amazing delivery. Amazing. So I will take that as a W. And now I'm going back to my maternity leave layer, which is our couch and friends, RIP Matthew Perry, and constant food and a Stanley cup that has not left my side since I got home because the breastfeeding hydration is so necessary and the thirst is insatiable. I love you guys so much. Thank you so much for the support with everything over the past three weeks. I feel very supported by you all and it means the world to me. So thank you. And I love you. Thank you all so much for listening to today's episode of Freckled Foodie and Friends. I have so much fun recording the show. It is my favorite part of my job and truly is what lights me up. Your feedback and response to every episode is what keeps me going. And if this episode resonated with you, please feel free to DM me over on Instagram or share on your stories. If you are looking for a way to support the show, please rate and or review on whatever platform you use to listen to your podcast. It means the world to me and it really helps the show grow. Please also make sure to hit subscribe so that you are up to date with new episodes coming at you every Wednesday morning. And of course, please be sure to follow me on Instagram and TikTok at at Cameron Oaks Rogers. I love you and I appreciate your support so much. Please note that this episode may contain paid endorsements and advertisements for products and services. Individuals on the show may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to in this episode.